I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Economic health of this nation has been four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline Greed. in the dollar is It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. This is Monito. Monito. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on radio, Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Jacob Keen and Nick Antonucci. These guys are uh, part of our research department at Hensler Financial. We are uh, somewhat unique in that regard that we have uh, individuals that uh, that dedicate their whole day to looking at um, at stocks and bonds and uh, economic conditions uh, so that uh, we can help our clients uh, manage their investments. Jacob, I want to congratulate you. I know recently you passed uh, level three of the CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst Exam. Well, that's Nick. Somehow, yeah. Congrats. Uh, yeah, congratulations. I know you can't use the designation yet, but uh, soon you're, you're waiting on the CFA Institute to give you yeah. the go-ahead on that, right? Yep. All right, well, uh, I'd also like awesome to add thing. in there, part of our job is to keep Troy hip so he can say things like, what up, fam, on the radio. Yeah, I, it, we probably it need to get a lot better a refresher course. It's yeah. kind of yeah, dated now, mind. but... Right. And come up with a new nickname for Troy every few weeks. Well, you yeah. guys do that frequently. Right, right now we're on Big Bear, because this man went up to Canada and got him one. Yeah, I did shoot a bear Allegedly. We haven't seen Allegedly. We haven't, we haven't seen the, the picture. We saw the picture, but it could have been Photoshop. Photoshop, so. yeah. That's uh, that's something that wasn't a thing when I was you guys' age. Yeah. You, you just couldn't do that. Just a few years ago. You just, huh? just cut, yeah, cut it out of a magazine. A couple years ago when I was your age. Yeah. Cut it out of a magazine, glue stick. Put, put my like face that. over That was yeah. Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. Glue stick was, yeah, that was. You guys had those, right? Yeah. We had magazines, for sure, and we had glue sticks. What's a magazine? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like a blog. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Only, like, what you're looking at on your iPad. More pictures. Yeah, Yeah, and it only came out once a month, so you you couldn't, couldn't, like, in the middle of the month, you just print a magazine. No, you're not going to do that. Technology has been uh, absolutely awesome. We've seen a lot go on um, in, uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, is that why it's up 31% year-to-date? Uh, no, not that's probably not the reason. But, I oh. mean, technology is, uh, even even in that context, Nick, has been, uh, you know, one of the one of the top trades. I, I think I've mentioned this multiple times on uh, this show back in uh, 1990. I, I went back to see just what kind of weight technology had in the market, and it was less than 5%. We've seen it wow. recently, over 25% mm-hmm. of the overall market. So technology is, uh, is a, uh, has been a huge thing to invest in since uh, the early 90s at least. Um, but uh, we do have some numbers. Uh, over the last week, the market lost 1%. Um, we've got a lot going on that uh, might have driven that. 
not the least of which is um, rate a rate situation kind of behind the scenes, still going crazy. Um, impeachment talks. Impeachment talks, which we did have some calls this week that, uh, you know, a few of our clients were a little nervous about what was going on with that. Um, I guess the fear among uh, many investors is that you get uh, you get Trump out of the way and you wind up with a, a person who's not nearly so um, positive on corporate uh, profits and, and the fact that companies do make a profit uh, and and you wind up with uh, investments that aren't near as rosy as they have been for several years so uh, um, well my interpretation of that too is I think if Trump were to get impeached which I don't think we believe is going to happen right. but well, the then you end up follow through you end up with Pence right happens. and right. I feel like the odds of Pence winning a 2020 election are lower than that of Trump. So then you start getting, I mean, we saw Elizabeth Warren take the lead this week in the primary race. And you want to talk about someone who's not very business friendly, not very Wall Street friendly. And I think that's part of the fear, right? Yeah, it does bring some concerns. But it's hard to weigh that against, well, you know, if they do succeed in getting Trump out, is Pence going to take a t- as tough a stance on China as Trump has? So maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, you do get some sort of resolution to the current trade war in that s- scenario. Well, uh, you know, and that's the thing. You've got, uh, you've got. It's, it seems like what the what the Chinese have been rumored to be doing, waiting on someone else to deal with, uh, is bolstered. They, surely their opinion has to be bolstered over this. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, the right. fact that there's a you know lack of support for uh, the current sitting president among his political peers, if in fact you want to call them that. But uh, well, and I mean, it's it's a continued political. topic week to week is you know continued trade talks with China. And at what point do we start becoming numb to this? Because in my opinion, it's getting really old and played out when there's absolutely it's. There's been no traction in either direction, right? Not really. It's, it's been very you stable. Get, for you get you get bold talks of uh, we're going to levy additional tariffs, and then it's like one side, both sides, like okay, well they they revisit it. We're we're going to lessen the the number of goods or put exemptions on some of these goods. We're going to you know increase the tariffs on. Or in in the case of China, I think what was the the soybean news this week. It seems both sides are at yeah we're gonna talking buy. a big game and not fully implementing what they claim they're going to do right. And I just don't see any trade deal getting done. Yeah, prior I think, to the election. Yeah, well, I think I yeah. think we oversimplify like how complicated this trade deal has to be because most of the really crucial elements relate to uh, intellectual, intellectual property, property for sure. You know, for sure. And it's like at a certain at at a certain level, it's almost like China would have to restructure their economy in a way in order to really get give the concessions that Trump wants. So and they what, can, what seems to be the, the hang-up is exactly that. No side wants to – seems willing to budge on, on the intellectual property side of things. Right, and, and opening up their economy more to foreign ownership, these sorts of things. And it's, it's, it's coming at a time for uh, – the government in China where it, it feels like things are a little tenu- like growth is slowing. Right. We saw food prices 
at a certain point, we're up like 10% year over year. Yeah, You've got all the issues in Hong Kong. So it's kind of like, how do they navigate what their, what their decision-making would be absent a trade war? You, you add in the trade war, it's, I don't know if they would be able to, uh, to Nick's point, to, to get the trade deal that Trump would be happy with. I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you mentioned that uh, food prices have spiked. It surely doesn't help that uh, they're then not going to buy soybean from the U.S., uh, right. you know, for them. So uh, each side has a lot to lose, and I really believe that it will take some pretty significant economic pain on the part of China to get them to blink, to be honest with you, at this point. Yeah. I think they're going to have to feel... Uh, a lot more pain than they've felt to this point. And, and Jacob, I mean, to your point, um, the the uh, uh, economic situation is slowing. I wouldn't call it deteriorated uh, in both China, and we have uh, issues in the U.S. as well. Yeah, uh, U.S. domestic economy. U.S. manufacturing. Well. Yeah, U.S. manufacturing. Has yeah. Been, and the capex environment's not ideal either. Yeah, but. not not very many companies. They 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 will borrow money, but they use it to buy back their own shares. Right. They're right. not using it to grow uh, their their company so that they can you know have significant long term economic growth. Uh, speaking of that, GDP is at what about two two percent? We yeah. got a re- our third final revision uh, today Thursday, unchanged from the previous. Right. Yeah. So two percent. Um, we've got unemployment still at three point seven. Um, which is low. It's it's been this low for so long. It it uh, has gotten aware of what we do internally at Hensler Financial is watch uh, closely for any change in that particular number. But um, the consumer seems happy. They seem uh, to expect worse times to come, though. Right. Well, what's interesting in that is not only within the consumer confidence report do you have you know, current conditions and expectations. Right. But think about the difference between the questions that they ask for consumer confidence and consumer sentiment. Consumer sentiment um, has to do, uh, I, I might get this mixed up, but, but consumer sentiment has to do with the the, the person's personal fi- finances. Right. Right. And consumer confidence is related to the economy. So what we've seen is consumer sentiment is uh I think I I think I have that backwards actually, right? No, I think the, you're right. Yeah, I think no, okay, right. yeah. Is, yeah. Con, consumer yeah, consumer sentiment is still strong relative con, to consumer confidence, which we've seen some weakening. So it's so one sort is of like, kind of a concept yeah. of my situation, my situation and the other one is all yeah. of ours, mine and my neighbor's economy. Right. Yeah, everyone still feels good about their situation, but they're starting to have the, worries about the sort of the broad situation. And, right. and you mentioned that's two components. You got present conditions and basically a forward looking uh index for consumer confidence. Confidence, and it's that forward-looking where consumers seem to be a little more hesitant, a little more worrisome. Not so much. Absolutely, it looks okay now, right. but looking ahead, there, there's some concerns. Exactly. Well, uh, we're gonna take a few minutes break. When we come back, we'll have a dog of the week, and we'll also talk a little about a situation where uh, uh, we've got a business owner who's considering selling their business. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back.
Did you know that nearly 11% of residents and 12% of children in Cobb County live below the poverty line? That's thousands of families doing without, which is especially sad during the holidays. The Center for Family Resources has been bringing the community together to collect food items for low-income families in Cobb County for over 30 years. Through our Thanks for Giving program, we provide holiday food boxes during the Thanksgiving break filled with ingredients for families to cook their own traditional holiday meal. Plus, since Thanksgiving, we can put an extra strain on a family's food budget while children are home from school. We provide extras like breakfast foods, pasta, and peanut butter for those added meals. How can you help? Go to the CFR.org to volunteer, raise money, or start a drive through your business, church, neighborhood, or civic organization or school. That's the CFR.org, and thanks for giving. You This is the dog. The dog of the week. All right, we got a dog of the week this week, as we do every week, and uh, you know, this week it's it's kind of about um, uh, the sustainability of a business model. There, there is a, a couple in the UK who is uh, headline reads, and this is out of uh, um, Reuters. Uh, the headline reads, UK couple growing furniture on farm. Now, this is not what you might think of, you know, they're growing timber, cutting it down, and turning it into furniture. They have... They've got like a stud and then like, you know... <laughs> no, that's a different kind of furniture. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. It's, so it's not different. animal furniture. It's it not animal furniture. No, it's not even covered with animal hides. Oh. Uh, uh, this furniture is actually more like it's a vine-like tree that they train into um, chairs and tables and lamps. How do they train uh, it? Like treats and yeah, yeah. Sit yeah, up, yeah. roll over. It goes to classes Saturday mornings at PetSmart. PetSmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They no. play like classical music for it. No, I've heard they, that uh, works too for they, playing. They is it classically somewhat trained like furniture? <laughs> Classically, yes. They've created it themselves, so it's not so classic. It's uh, kind of a work in progress. They've had... But it is sustainable. It, uh, I guess. I yeah. mean, how are you describing sustainable? Is it a sustainable business model? I don't know. Would you... No, would the you furniture, assume? not the business model. I don't think that's sustainable. <laughs> exactly. That's Yeah. That's Doesn't really scale. Point. Doesn't really yeah. scale, does it? No. So they're trying to be... They're trying to reduce the carbon footprint of the process of making furniture um they have their first um they've had a few orders that they fulfilled already um but they should be harvesting every year starting in 2022 uh they already have some orders and i thought it was a it was a great tie-in to um financial planning in as much as uh think about it you could order your chair from these guys today if you were within 10 years of retirement, it would be ready when you retired. You could you could buy the rocking chair oh, man. today wow. that, that you put on your porch. I can't wait to retire. retire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. So know. it's just like a bunch of like vines, it just like branches. Like I think it, they call it officially a tree, but yeah, it's. It a, sounds it's a horrifically. Tree. Yeah, you could wait on that, or you could just like go to the store and buy a chair today. Uh, there, there are pictures associated with this. If you heard my description, like I said, you can go to Reuters, type in UK couple growing furniture. I bet I'm if you sure just search "grow furniture," there aren't very many stories. 
But I don't know. Maybe there are. Probably not. Now, think about this. As a farmer, you always forego uh, significant problems out of nature, right? They have been wiped out on multiple occasions when cows have stampeded through uh. their... Through their uh, 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 what do you call it? Their so the 2017 vintage was not a good one. <laughs> it may not have. There, wa- there wasn't one, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it, it was eaten to the ground by cows. Yeah, who knows? But they've also had, you know, other animals, I guess. The beetles get into your into your uh, lawn chair that you're growing, and uh, you got issues. But, um, you know, they, they do have a lot of folks that, are, that buy into the process, and uh, this is truly a business model that somebody is out there working. Uh, which I think is is creative. Uh, it's creative, too but creative. I think isn't like furniture also made out of wood too, and like well, this I is mean, just made lumber, out of wood, but it is, like yeah. it's not cut, so it's less comfortable. Uh, it is. Uh, it, it looks to me, <laughs> if you look at the pictures, I, I did say you could go online and see the picture. Now, uh, you know, radio is obviously not the best medium for that, but. Uh, uh, the pictures don't look real comfortable to yeah. me. Yeah. I've got a branch in my back. Sorry. Hold on a second. <laughs> see, see, I feel like as an art form, it's cool, but like sustainable versus what? Yeah. Like a bigger tree? I I don't know, guys. I, <laughs> I mean, and it, and it does take approximately 10 years. One of the, one of the stories I read about this was saying that uh, the wife in this party that uh, – you know, it's a husband and wife that are that are growing these pieces of furniture. The wife wants a new dining room set, but they said it'll probably be a decade before she can get it grown. <laughs> wow. So You've got to be well, a patient honey, be person. patient. <laughs> exactly. You have to be a patient person uh, if you're going to hang on to this. But uh, like I say, they've, they've been at it long enough that in 2022, they will be harvesting annually. Uh, their their grown products and they have uh, that's absent another catastrophe. Catastrophe. Good one. Just to let you know, they are currently nurturing 250 chairs, 100 lamps, and 50 tables. That's just so wild to say. Well, you know, that's that's what's going on. They're there. nurturing a lamp. Yeah. You this know? is in Worksworth, England. By that's the way. that's if wonderful. You we work. Did you say? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm out. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> this is a different show, there, Nick. Uh, no, they sound they sound probably like they'll be equally is, successful in the long in the long run, but very well could be. I wish them the best. I I do too. I mean, it's it's interesting to talk about. It is. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got uh, more information to talk about. Uh, you are listening to Money Talks, and um, as such, we answer quite a few financial questions. We have a uh, case study we'd like to talk about this week. Uh, basically, we have a business owner who is named Henry. Uh, he's looking to sell his business. He's contemplating two offers. That's pretty awesome, Nick. We do a lot of this kind of work. and uh, It's good to have, have options. Two offers, good right? to have options. Uh, one is from a strategic buyer who will likely resell the business, possibly after closing a division. Uh, they want Henry to stay on for the next three years to oversee the division closing and help streamline the main business. Uh, the offer is well worth the effort. Um but uh, the second offer is a cash offer, which is a bit lower um, than he wanted. Um, but he he'd uh, be fully retired as soon as the transaction was complete. He'd uh, sell everything, control, uh, client list, physical assets, everything. It's all in the deal. Uh, says he likes the idea of being free and clear, 
but isn't sure if he should take the cash offer because because it's lower than he wanted. Um, he, uh, he he wants to know how does he determine if the higher price uh, with the earnout. Now that's a new concept too, an earnout um, would be better would be the better deal. So what should he consider, Nick? Uh, you uh, I didn't get to it when we were opening the show, but you do uh, possess. Uh, from your hard studies and, and efforts, uh, a CEPA and uh, a CVA. The CVA, I am also a certified valuation analyst, right. but uh, um, the CEPA is something relatively new to you. Yeah, um, it's certified exit, exit planning, planning advisor. Yeah, okay. So this would be right up your alley as a exit planning advisor. Um, can you Tell us what to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to get too in the weeds here and bog you down with, you know, the the small details. But really, just kind of thinking top level, obviously, the answer is it depends. And the first thing I would think of, and this is something we talk about with our clients, is, okay, the cash offer may be lower than right. than a, a deal where you have an earnout period, something like that. Um, but if the cash offer right now absolutely covers your retirement needs... It's something you want to entertain because so it could be a personal decision. Exactly. Maybe you got offered five. You know, you you wanted six million dollars, but they offered you four and a half million dollars all cash. There's certainty there, knowing that you're going to receive that payment right now. There's no dependency in the future of, you know, does the new ownership run the company differently? Does it run it into the ground? Are they able to make those payments? Do we have a recession? Those Do are we things have a that recession? We can't even control. Right, and the earnouts are going to be tied a lot to that. How does the how does the business uh, continue to operate after the transaction? Now, with an earnout, you're going to stay on. You're going to work. And oftentimes, that's two, three years. Now, why um, would somebody be incented to do that? Well, as the as bigger, the purchaser, the check? as the purchase. Well, the 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 check for sure. And and if I'm the purchaser of the company, um, I want there to be a smooth transition. Sure. I don't want to just purchase this company and come in here and and change up the culture, change up the way things operate. That's a that's a very good way to 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 run a business into the ground and and yeah. run into Culture operational often are the, are the killer for um, sure. So in the earnout, you're basically agreeing to stay on for a number of years, ensure there's a smooth transition. Um, and clients feel attached to that individual who they've been dealing with for a long time. Absolutely. Now, what's important to know about earnouts is, as the seller, you can structure those a number of different ways. You can say it's I I participate in the upside. Of the of of the company, so if earnings grow, you know, ten percent, my my earnout payout increases, you know, in lockstep with that. At the same time, you can set a floor to say it grows, but at the same time, I'll never accept less than a two hundred thousand dollar payout. Now, sure, what happens if we do enter a recession and the company's not able to make that payment? You, there, there there is a lot more risk in that, but you can get a higher. Uh, a higher price, the deal price. So it really depends on on your particular situation. I would say if it comes down to you know four and a half million dollars versus six, but four and a half million dollars is far more than you need to retire, then that's something real to consider. Sure. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it's not just like you said. It's um, situation by situation, as is I feel yeah. like anything in in our industry. Yeah. That's uh, that's always a, a difficult task, and it's usually a business that somebody has uh, put their heart and soul into for a long time. Sure. All right, well, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we might talk a little more about that, but we'll definitely answer some financial questions. 
Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks with Troy Harmon. I have with me Jacob Keene and Nick Antonucci. That was a very tense sounding, intense sounding intro. Like you're about to get like breaking news or something. Well, yeah. maybe you are. Broken news. Broken news. Broken yeah. news. That's uh, that's the kind of thing that we always watch for constantly around here, right? Yeah. News drives markets. Fake uh, news, real news. Yeah, no doesn't doubt. matter. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, it, it all depends on what you believe these days. Uh, we uh, are here to answer your financial questions. Like I said, we are going to get back into that uh, discussion of our case study in a business transaction. But uh, I did want to throw out there how you can reach us if you uh, would like to leave us your your message uh, or a question. You can call our question hotline at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. The way it works, you listen to our recorded message. Uh, you leave one of your own, including the question you would like answered on the air. We play the question and then answer right behind it. Um, if you would like to speak to a human being, you can call us at seven seven zero four two nine nine one six six. Uh, ask for Kelly Lynn, or you can ask for the radio show, and uh, they'll get you to her. She gets the questions to us, and we answer them on the air. Or you can email us if you don't prefer to use your phone in the traditional way. Uh, you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Um, you can also go to our website, hensler.com. Uh, we have quite a bit of information downloaded for your your uh, education, pleasure, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I enjoy reading finance stuff. It's uh, it's great to me. It's more than just a tool, but uh, it is definitely entertainment. So maybe you're like-minded. I don't know. Um, anyway, when, when we last spoke, guys, uh, Nick, we were talking about uh, an offer that uh, Henry had been made, uh, a cash offer versus an earn-out. Um, Earnouts are real common in the market. Uh, as you said, uh, basically, you know, he can be there, help transition the business. Yeah. He can also, usually those earnout payments are tied in some manner to performance, so profitability as long as all that maintains. Um, you know, uh, he would he would benefit from uh, the earnout with higher uh, cash values. Sure. But there is something about uh, something about getting your cash and just going to the house. What uh, what you think of immediately is the fact that there's less risk. But there's really a little more to it than that, right? When we talk about financial theory. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get into that. I do want to say real quick though, in this particular case, Henry has two two offers. Right. Um, sometimes that's you know that's common. Sometimes not so much. But it never hurts to shop and see what else is out there. Just because you two have two offers doesn't mean that they're great offers. And doesn't mean you can't generate a higher offer somewhere else, whether it be through pri- private equity. Unlikely that you get a higher price from private equity than than a strategic buyer like it seems like we have here. And they um, usually don't want to just plop down cash and let you walk absolutely away. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So just something else. Uh, right. And when you think about a strategic buyer, quite often this might be one of your competitors. Yeah, absolutely. This might be a competitor in the in the business that's looking to do that so uh, i mean there's a lot of things you have to concern yourself with at that point because 
Uh, what's to say that they don't um, entice you into a conversation for, you know, might drag it on for weeks or months. Uh, and then at the end of it say, oh, no, I don't worry about it. And they walk away with information you've given them that uh, you shouldn't have trusted them with possibly. Yeah, always have your non-disclosure agreements in place for this yeah. entire process. E even if you don't, even if they don't disclose it to anyone else, what prevents them from using That's your, true. your strategies? I mean, there, there are some of those concerns to be had. Um, but, Jacob, you mentioned uh, there's some just basic yeah. uh, investment or financial philosophy. Yeah, I think the time value before, yeah, before the break, Nick was mentioning, say, a $4.5 million offer in cash and then $6 million earnout. Well, if that earnout's over a handful of years, that $4.5 million in cash could be generating returns for you then. Absolutely. Um, so there is, you know, a reason for the discount when you get the money earlier because there's a discount rate on the business itself, which typically a private business is going to be riskier than, say, if you bought the S&P 500 or one of our great investment models. Right, yeah, no doubt. Um, and, but the one thing that you can do if you just took your cash and walked away, instead of being all invested in one business, you could diversify it. Right. Uh, you could also manage it if you did see. I mean, we mentioned the potential for a recession coming. So, you know, in a business sense, there's often very little that you can do uh, other than maybe invest elsewhere to to try to offset the 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 ravages of a recession, uh, usually it knocks down revenue at very least and maybe even profitability. So, you know, if you took the cash, you could put it in bonds, which you sure. usually and, and do well. Sure, and in Jacob's example, if we're talking, f f let's say, 4 million versus 6 million, if you can earn an annualized return of 4% over a 10-year period, let's just say that's what the earnout period was. It might be less. All you have to do is earn a 4% annualized return, you get to that $6 million. Yeah, right. the same period. Of time. Right. Yeah. And you could do that in corporate bonds right, right. now. Yeah. Really. And, and usually or what split you between see, equities and bonds. Yeah. Uh, usually what you see in those um, in those instances is the, you know, if they are going to make a single cash lump sum payment, they use the cost of capital as applied to the business that's being valued. And, uh, you know, Nick is a valuation analyst. Uh, a lot goes into those uh, calculations, and, sure. and they make a huge impact on a, the value of a business. Uh, it's not just the borrowings. Often, you know, a business borrows from the owners, uh, small businesses. It's mm -hmm. not uncommon for them to have a, a loan on the books from an owner, or, you know, they might have a bank loan. Um, but more often than not, it's equity, and equity in small businesses, especially those that are privately held, can get pretty expensive yeah and don't don't automatically assume that you you're going to get an all cash offer be, be, because all cash offers are pretty pretty rare yeah um you have to assume whoever the purchaser is can get ba bank financing or has the cash readily available to make that purchase and in most of most cases especially when you're dealing with small businesses that's not the case yeah and uh, what often happens uh you know you'll see a, a business owner either want to pass that business on to uh, employees that have done them a great job, right. loyal and, and uh, not only loyal but competent, uh, you know, so that they could potentially pay them out or a, a family member quite often sure. it's passed on to the next generation. And usually when you have those types of situations, what do you wind up having? It's The bank is not fond of many of those deals, so the owner has to finance it out. Right. More and we in, see, the, we see in that. the term of a... Of a 
uh, payout or a earnout. Earnout. Right? Yeah, and we see that pretty regularly. So you know, early on, have have a professional involved in the deal. Don't assume you can do it all yourself, and that you know the ins and outs. Because yeah, even if you come to a value. Um, the other pieces of the deal are, are very important, um, you know, and, and making sure that you sure. describe, um, you know, what what would be a default and, and actually the the rights of all parties involved really need to be covered. So an attorney is, is an absolute must when you come to these deals. Right. All right. Uh, we do have some questions from our listeners. Uh, we've got one here. Will from Marietta writes, uh, between all the available low-cost ETFs out there and mutual funds that charge fees, why should I even bother looking at mutual funds? I'm a beginning investor, but I need some. Uh, but I, but it seems the ETFs would be a better deal. Um, ETFs uh, are almost always going to be passive management, meaning that they just find an index that they like and they try to limit uh, any what they call tracking error. They try to, to have a return similar to um, the index and probably the most common one is the S&P 500, right? Right. Yep. So they can charge limited fees. They don't have to pay analysts behind the scenes. All they're trying to do is attach um, you know, their portfolio in some manner to the S&P 500 uh, it, it, most of these are available in the market on large scale. Uh, so the companies that provide them make plenty of money, even at the four to six basis points that you see them offered. But passive is not always the best. Uh, if you if you invest passively, you will never beat the S&P 500 if, sure. if your ETF is supposed to be following that. Um, so active management, you get the you get the benefit of a of a professional, an investment professional who is going to uh, be able to foresee things coming down the road and, and uh, potentially adjust your portfolio so that you don't get impacted as heavily as the overall in, uh, index might in a downturn. Or they can go just the opposite direction if they think that uh, plenty of growth is in the market. They can actually step in and do that. So, you know, I think a lot of people focus only on the fee. And sure. and right. if the fee, usually the, the returns are reported on a, a fee-adjusted basis, meaning that it's after fees. So if you've got a mutual fund that outperforms whatever index, you know, is the closest to them, uh, is it not worth paying them a little bit of money when, in reality, you're still going to be outperforming the index? I, I would have to say absolutely. Yeah, and you, you mentioned to the downside. That's when I personally, in my own account, feel more comfortable paying an active manager. If I think things are late cycle, the valuations look expensive, and I can buy an actively managed mutual fund that I think is going to uh, you know, select securities um, in a more defensive manner, um, I, I tend to recommend active management in those sorts of times. I mean, you're never going to time the market perfectly, right? But you know, you, you can get a pretty good sense of when you're late cycle in the economy, and maybe I, I, I'll I'll pay the money to have an active manager. Yeah, and it's not just for timing purposes. There's others. When we come back, we'll talk about that a little bit. So we'll stick around. We'll throw rocks at ETFs.
We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. Yeah, they bleeped that out. What do y'all think? We're just going to talk like pigs on here, guys? You never know. All right. Uh, again, Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jacob Keene and Nick Antonucci, and we've been talking about various things. Uh, in our last segment, we took a listener question about ETFs. If you would like to have your question answered on the air, you can contact us at uh, our hotline number, one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. 429 You call in, leave your message. We play the message on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, you can also call and talk to our producer, Kelly Lynn. Uh, the number is 770-429-9166. Ask for the radio show, and uh, you would be able to get on there. Um, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Or go to our website and find useful information to answer your financial estate planning um, what else might be on there? Uh, asset management, investment advising type questions. Um, <clears throat> so when we last spoke, we were answering this question from Will from Marietta about ETFs. I'll read it again. He says, between all the available low-cost ETFs out there and mutual funds that charge fees, why should I even bother looking at mutual funds? I'm a beginning investor, but it seems that ETFs would be a better deal. If all you look at is fees, you're going to say absolutely. That's that's the better deal. But uh, as we mentioned, um, you know the exchange traded funds generally just follow an index. There are some that are active. Um, yeah, I think this whole argument is kind of nuanced in that, of course, a mutual fund on average with higher fees is probably going to underperform the benchmark. But there are good managers out there, and I feel like with everyone moving into passive management these etfs it's there's a day of reckoning coming absolutely yeah there's certainly a day of reckoning coming and so uh, we continue to favor active management active management in in our eyes means that the businesses are being fundamentally valued right and there's some rooting in you know economics whereas if you're just blindly buying let's say in the case of the s&p 500 500 companies without looking at any of them right you may think you're well i'm just getting participation in the economy but it might the reality might be that you know a quarter or a half of those companies are overvalued sure and you you may by being passive be driving that overvaluation yeah yeah and, and furthermore just kind of from from our perspective the way we invest anyone who knows us and is familiar with our investment style we focus on what we call you know high quality companies companies with strong financials predictable earnings strong balance sheets and as you said, when you don't do fundamental analysis, you're essentially buying everything regardless of the price, the price and, w and what the quality, what the quality right. of that those stocks are. Sure. And uh, you're going no, to the grocery store and just taking your arm across the shelf. Everything. Yeah. Right. And right. putting it all in the basket. Right. And you, when you get home, you'll eat what you need and let the rest spoil. Right. And the ca the one caveat I do have is what we've seen lately is there has been a rise of in these sort of unique ETFs that do isolate a factor, sure. maybe low volatility or high dividend yield. And those can be effective ways if you have, you know, a, a limited amount of money sure. to, you know, get 
exposure to sure. a certain yeah, you know, by investment. By no means are we saying ETFs are bad products. We utilize no, them in we, our portfolios. Absolutely. There's just a, there's a, there's a, a particular we, use for them that, that right. we see. And we don't just buy classes. them and hold them forever either. I right. mean, right. as you guys said, um, you know, economic conditions drive our opinion even on certain markets. And, you know, if you want, uh, there's there's been several sectors that we've used uh, exchange-traded funds for for quite a long time. Uh, when the sector is a very small piece of the S&P 500, and you want exposure to all of the uh, all of the sectors, but you know, outside of buying a fistful of companies to get three percent of your portfolio, where yeah. it doesn't make sense, we'll let's look at other aspects yeah, too, like, like gold. If you want gold exposure. Yeah, how yeah. else are you going to get gold exposure? Yeah, cost effective. What are you going to buy bars of gold and stack them in your in your uh, bathroom and hire right. a guard to stand at the door? Maybe you might. Be. Oh no, that's not the way to do it. You, you should. Do you that. could just Exchange put them on your put it on your teeth. That's oh, true. Right. So I can I have a grill. I'd be. I'd how be much can you put in there, there though? Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, if I want a full bar, like I don't think my mouth can handle that. Well, you could do you could do the teeth, the ears, the eyebrows. The oh yeah. Uh, yeah, around gold, my neck. Yeah, jewelry. gold chain. Yeah, you can do all kinds of bracelet things. watch. On. So we've wandered off on a foolish path, but uh, getting back, uh, the, <laughs> the, the says homegrown <laughs> furniture man. Yeah, well, hey, I mean, you know, it's entertainment, right? <laughs> this is entertainment too. Me making fun of you guys uh, is entertaining to agreed. me. Agreed. I mean, okay. Agreed. Anyway, the the. Uh, uh, the way that it works, though, is the mutual fund performance is after uh, those fees. So you know, don't don't be afraid of of what's going on. You do have a have a professional, and many of them do have long track records of of uh, significant performance uh, to the point that it overcomes that fee that you're being charged uh, enough that you actually will still beat the market. So. Um, you know, you get a diversified portfolio with both an ETF or a mutual fund. The one thing uh, you guys mentioned is how we do at Hensler Financial. Now, yeah. what we generally do is create a, a separately managed account, which is kind of a financial industry term. Um, it, it's kind of like creating a mutual fund for for every individual that walks through the door. Uh, we do have across yeah. the board, you know, many that are very similar. So, you know, many of our clients are going to own the same things if their risk tolerance uh, is is um, similar. And it's a cool experience for the clients because they can look at their broker's account instead of just showing the one mutual fund. Right. See, every here's the, stock, the stocks. Here's the stocks that we own. Yeah, and we don't charge the, you know, the big fee on top of that. No. It's, it's all included in our advice from start to finish, you know, right along with financial planning and everything else we offer. So, um, again, you know, our number, if you're interested in something like that, 770-429-9166. If you want, you can call and ask for Troy. I can help you get to the right person or, you know, maybe we're the right folks for you too. If you call and ask for Big Bear, no one's going to know what you're talking about. Yeah, Big Bears. Yeah, they won't. By that time, he probably has another nickname. Oh, so. I'm sure. Yeah, it happens frequently I, on a week by week basis. I think. But uh, yeah, you know, you're maybe, right, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> See, there we go again. Uh, one thing I did want to touch today. Um, <clears throat> we've talked a lot about interest rates lately. Uh, I looked before the end of the year. Uh, we're expected to get another rate cut um, from the Fed. Uh, about an 82% chance of a of a cut by the end of their Deces, yeah end of their December meeting uh, 25 basis point uh, point two five percent 
Cut. Uh, I had a question this week. What keeps us from being driven to negative interest rates like they're seeing in Europe? Uh, either of you guys want to take a whack at that? I mean, the thing is, uh, <clears throat> we've we've seen Japan manage their central bank, their their uh, monetary policy in this manner for quite a long yeah, time. It's, sure. it's absurd. And how much growth has it generated? Well, that's very, the thing. Well, very I, little. I think it's a very real possibility, but I would go back to that in that look elsewhere in the world where negative interest rates exist right now. What has it truly done? It doesn't seem to help. The theory behind it is you, you make interest rates low. Uh, it, it lowers the cost of capital for businesses and makes it a, a easier for corporations to earn a profit. And it and that drives uh, economic growth. Uh I feel like I, I mean I could I could talk forever on this, but I feel like my perspective is there's not really much of a transmission mechanism between the asset markets and the actual consumer, right? The everyday person. So basically, we'll grow debt to a certain level, things will go rough, right? And then we slam rates lower each time. Right. At a certain point, we're like, oh, we're up against a zero bound. Well, maybe not. And Basically, that's just an effort to reflate asset prices. Well, most of the people in the world don't have most of their wealth tied up in financial, financial assets. assets. Right. So the the money that you're injecting that the central banks are creating is not actually sloshing around in the economy. It's right. just landing on a select few balance sheets as, you know, just a, a, an extra zero sure. in a sense. So I think it's we saw the Trump tax cuts where it was like fiscal policy was starting to pick up the baton. I think if if we're going to avoid that future of, you know, very low interest rates, negative interest rates, it's going to have to be fiscal policy. Yeah, no doubt. All right, guys, uh, we thank you for listening. You've been listening to Money Talks. Uh, I say the market's up this week. This week? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. This week? Yeah. Why not? Marketing. There we go. Thanks for listening. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.